In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The events of today's gospel take place just after Jesus finished the famous discourse referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. St. Matthew tells us that the people were astonished at Jesus' teaching because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The gospel healings today develop this theme. The two people who asked Jesus for healing express their faith in Jesus' authority. The leper says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The centurion illustrated Jesus' authority with a military analogy. He commanded soldiers and they had to obey. Likewise, Jesus could command the disease to go away and his authority over it would require it to go. The epistle also talks about authority. St. Paul says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And this is connected to Jesus as Lord. As St. Paul explains, there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Exercising the faith our lessons prescribe is often more challenging in real life than it sounds in principle. The leper said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was immediately willing. Sometimes we come to Jesus believing he is able to heal us or help us, and he is not immediately willing to do so. Similarly, what do we do with the command to obey the government when the government is really bad? Or when we are personally victims of governmental injustice? These are not new challenges. The Acts of the Apostles record many miracles and healings in the ministry of the early church. However, the later New Testament writings, especially the letters to the various churches, call believers to patience and faith when the answer doesn't come immediately. Jesus himself exhorted us to persistent prayer using the example of a widow who wore out the judge with her complaints until he finally gave in. And he ended that parable with a rhetorical question. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? St. Paul performed healings and exorcisms in his ministry. Yet in 2 Corinthians 12, at a later stage in his ministry, we are told that he prayed to the Lord three times for the removal of what he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. And God told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus was able to heal him, but he was not willing, not at that moment in that circumstance. If we persevere in following Jesus in the life of prayer, we will experience both the miracle of answered prayer 
and the challenge of prayer not yet answered. This tension reflects the nature of the Christian life in this world. The primary goal of God's work in our lives in this world is to recreate us in the image of Christ in preparation for the coming kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us right here, right now, through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is revealed right here in miracles of healing and in miraculous answers to prayer. But the kingdom is not yet fully here. Every healing in this world is temporary and not everything in this world is healed. This tension is the root of the foundational Christian prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. When Jesus comes, everything will be healed. The same tension exists around the desire for justice. It is hard to overstate how important justice is to the entire biblical narrative. The Ten Commandments are foundationally about justice. Biblical justice is rooted in two simple principles. First, God created us and God redeemed us. Thus, justice means giving God the honor and the worship he is due as creator and redeemer. Second, since God made us in his image, justice means honoring other people as God's image bearers. As Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Popular discussions about justice omit the primary biblical duty of justice, to honor and worship God. <clears throat> this renders the second duty of justice impossible. We cannot rightly honor the image of God if we do not honor God in the first place. This is the reason that from the beginning, the church made one great exception to the command to obey the governing authorities. The church met for the Eucharist on Sunday, even when Caesar forbade the church to worship. Caesar has a God-given vocation to punish wickedness and vice, but he has no right to deny God the justice he is due. Now, justice is a big and thorny topic in the church. It surfaced during the pandemic and the riots, and it continues wherever in the world people are treated unjustly. It raises questions. How much protest is justified? How much is required? How activist should the church be in speaking out and protesting against injustice. The church has never been afraid to confront injustice in rulers. The great church father, St. John Chrysostom, at the Sunday Eucharist, called out the emperor for unjust conduct, for brutally unjust conduct in war. 
while the emperor was sitting in church in the balcony. Not surprisingly, John Chrysostom spent time in exile during his ministry. Perhaps the most profound prophetic message I've witnessed was uttered by Mother Teresa of Calcutta. During a trip to America, she was invited to address a joint session of Congress. She told that joint session that she wasn't sure how long God would allow a nation to exist that killed its own children. A joint session of Congress has never been that quiet since that moment. The command to obey the government and the command to exercise a prophetic voice remain the church's dual vocation. The tension is governed by the biblical truth that this world is not perfectible apart from the coming of Christ and the completion of the new creation. We are witnesses for God's justice in the world, but we must never mistake this world for the kingdom. We are called to remain blameless in the face of the world's injustice. That's the primary burden of the command to obey the government, to remain blameless while we wait for the world's true Lord to come and execute his righteous judgment. Nonetheless, the desire for justice is the essence of the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the contemporary Western world, the desire for the kingdom is often associated with personal fulfillment and comfort. However, in the Bible, personal fulfillment and comfort is inextricably linked with communal justice. Only when Jesus judges the world in righteousness, only when every creature made in his image and redeemed by him is treated justly will every person be made whole. We must never allow our faith in Jesus to shrink into a desire for mere personal happiness. A desire for true justice in all the world is the main motive for the prayer, come, Lord Jesus. The irony of calls for justice in the world is they are frequently made by those who deny God the justice he is due. This ultimately makes the justice they call for impossible. For the human problem of injustice is rooted in our rebellion against God. It is because Cain would not give God the honor he was due that Cain ended up killing his brother. This is why the Book of Common Prayer teaches us that it is our bounden duty to worship God every Sunday in his church. Our worship of God is not a Sunday-only thing, but our ordering of our time reflects the order of our priorities. Worship is a matter of justice, not merely a matter of personal fulfillment. After we fulfill the first duty of justice on the Lord's day, 
we leave the altar of God to be witnesses for God's justice in the world. We administer justice by the way we treat every person we encounter each day, by the way we side with those who are being treated unjustly, and by our willingness to stand for uncomfortable truth as we pray and wait for Jesus to come and to bring us complete justice and complete healing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.